Hey everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. And this is part 45 in our 3,726 part series, wherein we choose a movie completely at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, do a little research, and tell you what we thought and learned. As long as the movie is something that we have not seen before, we are obligated to watch it. There's a couple of exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, we will watch what we choose. And we'll invoke the exceptions to that rule as necessary. Yes, indeed. This week it is Tara's turn to pick. Um, just get to it. Yeah. Okay, here Woo! we go. Here My we go. eyes are closed. Eyes are closed. All right, I'm flipping through the book. Just let me know when to stop. Stop. Alright, so we are watching The Taste of Others, a French film from the year 2000. I'm going to assume that it's uh, some sort of cannibalism movie, oh, uh, just sure. without reading the synopsis, that's my bet. Mm-hmm. And they usually like to eat little bits of themselves, but they're like, hmm, what is it, what is what it like else, to eat a little bit of somebody else? Like? Yeah, let's give that a shot. Yeah. So, uh, according to the guide, Agnes Jouy, writing with her husband and longtime writing performing partner Jean-Pierre Bacri, makes a deft directorial debut in this lovely romantic drama about adults caught in the midst of their own personal evolutions years after they thought that they had stopped changing. Bakri becomes the heart of the film as a gauche, petite bourgeois businessman whose confined, shallow world explodes after a theater performance moves him to tears, while Jaoui is a worldly waitress in a dead-end affair with Bakri's cynical bodyguard. They're just two of a small group of Parisians caught in the painful joy of reassessment and rediscovery. Joey and Bakri have a knack for exploiting the annoying edges of characters for comic exaggeration while simultaneously exposing their vulnerabilities, and Joey's lightness helps spin the familiar situations into a new look at age-old frustrations and the clumsy but sincere search for meaning and intimacy in the modern world. Okay. Okay, so this is the part where we would do some calibration and talk about like what movies we think we have already seen that might be able to give us like a appreciation or leg up on this but i don't know that i mean french romantic movie obviously you want to go to amelie as right. a it's like the most point of obvious reference. point of reference yeah and you know not far off in terms of time time frame from when yeah. this was released yeah um but that was more surreal or had a surreal bent to it at least Right, sounds and, like and a little, be. yeah, surreal and a bit of a comedic. Yeah, it also says there's some comedic stuff, but it sounds sure. not, <laughs> not like the focus, at least. Not that that was the focus on yeah. the but so. Well, uh, in terms of like, not necessarily just French, but like, sort of romantic dramas, are, is there anything that you could, or what, anything that you would describe as a uh, romantic drama with some comedy that you've. Well, a cannibal scene. holocaust has yeah, some well, very romantic oh, scenes in it. I'm so, sure. I, um, unfortunately, I can't relate. Yeah, you can't. You can't <laughs> speak to that. But just, uh, let me let me assure you, there's some yeah romance just up the wazoo in that movie. I don't. I can't. Colin, do you have any comments on romantic movies? No. Useless cats. Useless. Useless. I, I, I'm drawing a blank. Like you know, I I think I'm probably the one who's seen more of that genre out of the two of us but coming up with anything uh, i'm really stuck yeah so i guess 
we will be back with our thoughts on the taste of others not a cannibal movie disappointingly after this musical interlude watching The Taste of Others and digging up what information we could find on it. Again, foreign movies, hard to find a lot of interesting information on. Yeah, like, you're not really able to find so much, you know, information about how the movie was made or necessarily the people who made it or were in it. More as you're going to find a couple of reviews and, like, that's it. Yeah, uh, unless you know French, which I technically should because I took three quarters of French uh, for my undergrad, but uh, none of that has stuck in my brain. And I, I'm a, around French a fair amount in my working environment, but uh, so, weirdly enough, I don't know much French from that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, getting our excuses for not having a lot to talk about after <laughs> we talk about this plot out of the way. Uh, so, like, we... In the first part, we talked about like how our frame of reference for this was going to be Amelie, and uh, this movie is not like Amelie uh, at all. Oh. <laughs> I think that's kind of what we suspected going in. Yeah, but uh, yeah, not not like it at all. So, which is fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I'd be super annoyed if it was like, oh hey, look at we're making Amelie also. Although it was it came out the year before Amelie did, so yes. we've been like, oh Amelie, you ripped this movie off. You ripped it so bad. Did some real, so. real ripping. Anyway. Anyway, um, let's uh, do our pre-spoiler rating. Uh, got a five-point rating scale, which ranges from don't watch to maybe don't watch to eh, to maybe watch, and then uh, finally don't not watch at the the high end of the scale. Uh, do, do you have a rating in mind? I do. I do as well. So on the count of three, one. Two, three. Maybe, Maybe watch. watch. Yep. Hey, we're figured, aligned figured again. as much, yeah, yeah. thankfully. Oh, after the last <laughs> episode when we <laughs> were so divergent in opinion. Yeah, that was almost the end of it for us. Yeah, just like, <laughs> goodbye 20th century, it's the breaking goodbye point for marriage. this vision show. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, yeah, this was a very uh, pleasant movie, I thought. Yeah. Like, I, charming, but charming. not like in a different way to Amelie again, bringing it back to uh, yeah, that. Yeah, um, Very differently. And I think, I mean, it's not anything that is going to stick with me for a long time. No, it's not like groundbreaking. It's not something that you're going to think a ton about. You know, it was it was a really pleasant watch, it, yeah. you know, um, a good character study. En- enjoyable, but not... Yeah. Uh, not anything like mind blowing, yeah, necessarily. But For sure. uh, but still, yeah, we both thought it was good, worth a watch. So uh, yeah, should we just talk about the plot? Let's do it. So the the movie kind of focuses on this core group of characters, and I guess at the center of it is uh, Jean Jacques, who is this guy who runs and owns a steel plant. And at the beginning of the movie, he's uh, having to take French, not French lessons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's very dumb. He has to take languages own lessons. I mean, with a name like Jean Jacques, you think, you know, like. Can't, can't uh, 
Make assumptions. You think that they're definitely not going to know French no. with that kind of name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's having to take English lessons uh, to help him with the deal that's going on with some Iranians. And so he's got these lessons lined up and he has the first lessons with his instructor, just like one-on-one lessons with uh, Clara. And it's pretty obvious from the get-go that he's not... He's not too interested. He's not too invested, yeah. yeah. And he's not also maybe super bright, necessarily. Yeah, he's just like, are you going to make this fun? Yeah, uh, funny is what he asks. Like, are your lessons funny? I'm <laughs> like, funny? Yeah. Mm, I don't know if that, uh, like, humor was, would be what I would be looking for with uh, language lessons, but that's uh, that's what he needs, apparently. <laughs> and her lessons, she tells him, are not going to be funny, and he's kind of an enthusiastic after just like okay go with it yeah I'll just talk like to you uh, later, maybe. yeah maybe maybe i'll let you know if i want to do these lessons at all and he and his wife angelique are going to this play later that his niece is in like has a small part in and they they go to the play and immediately again reinforcing the idea that he's kind of a, a dumb dumb he's like oh no they're rhyming which well, not necessarily that he's a dumb dumb. It's just like. <sighs> to be fair, I would have the same reaction. I'm like, oh, rhyming. <laughs> yeah, I think Uh-oh. I would be really annoyed by a rhyming play as yeah, well. Yeah. And and that's not to say that we're dumb dumbs. It's just like, <laughs> um, you know, he's not into the arts. I would say that. Yeah, he's yeah. like, not. <laughs> His tastes are very, like. He's not cultured. He's not cultured. Yeah. There we go. That's, that's all we need to so he's watching the play, and then he realizes that uh, Clara has a part in it, and he's just kind of stricken by her performance, and is... He's, like, deeply moved by her yeah, performance. Yeah, that's right, because he's crying, right, yeah. at that point, and he, he actually goes back and he sees the play again. That's how much her performance impacts her. That's that's later, but uh, it, it really strikes a chord with him. Yeah, and he's just, like, into her from that point on. Mm-hmm. So while he's watching this play, we see the other couple of main-ish characters in the movie, uh, Bruno and Frank, who are respectively his chauffeur and the bodyguard that he's had to hire for protection, I guess, due to security concerns about this upcoming deal. While Jean-Jacques and Angelique are watching the play, they're just like hanging out at this bar, I guess, and chatting it up. Like, they're kind of talking about the moralistic side of things, and I think that's where the bodyguard sort of talks about, like, his history being the police and how he had to leave that. Right, there's a criminal he and his partner had been trying to catch, and the guy got away, and then he kind of quit the police force in disgust because of the, the corruption that was taking place. So they're hanging out at, like, this little bar slash restaurant that's kind of tied to the theater and the bodyguard tells bruno hey can you go get me some cigarettes i'm really stuck here and uh so bruno goes over to the bar and he orders some stuff as he's ordering the waitress is like uh so do you not remember me he's like no can you refresh my memory please and she's like oh we had sex and Bruno was like so mortified he like doesn't remember at all yeah and she's like yeah I mean we were both super smashed like don't worry about it (laughs) and you're a guy like you know guys just kind of fucking don't think about it that's fine yeah Yeah. and he's like still feeling really bad about it so 
Uh, he goes back to um, Frank afterwards and is telling him, he's like, oh my God, how did I not remember? And then Frank starts going on and was like, well, you know, out of the 200 or 300 women I've, I've had sex with, I could maybe like remember 20. Yeah. And Bird is like, what? You've had sex with that many women? That's he's a, like, so like a figure of speech or something? Yeah, like, are you for real? And, and he's like, no, I mean, I figure this many women over this many years. And uh, so there we go. It's like, it mathematically adds up. And yeah. so Bruno is engaged. We should. Yeah. Mention. So Bruno also talks about like, he's a. He's engaged to this woman who has um, gone to America for six months on an internship, but she's not like, he's not really heard from her in a bit. Right. Anyway, Bruno um, gets talking again to Mani, who happens to be the the waitress that he had sex with, and uh, they end up in bed again that night. Yeah. And Bruno is like, oh God, I have no idea how I would have forgotten you. And later she's like, uh... I probably would have forgotten you. Like, basically, it wasn't a memorable performance that he gave. Uh, So then later on, we see, we go back to uh, Jean-Jacques and his wife. And we start realizing, like, they bought this apartment for Jean-Jacques' sister. And he's kind of, like, roped her into having his wife decorate the place. Like, oh, yeah, she's an interior designer. You should totally have her help. And so... The sister is sort of, like, forced into this sort of arrangement with Angelique. And at the same time, we're taking a look around uh, the Castella's house, and it is fucking atrocious. So Angelique is, like, at the apartment with uh, Jean-Jacques' sister for the first time, and his sister is like, oh, I'd like to have it green and whatever. And Angelique's like, oh, that's so disgusting. You clearly don't know anything about design. Green is such a cold color. Like, you want a really inviting and friendly environment, so you should maybe have it, like, a blush pink color and, like, or florals and all that. And then it, like, cuts to an image of their house, and it's like, that's exactly what their house looks like. Yeah. It's just, like, horrible pink and gaudy flower, like, ruffled flower curtains all over the place. For their furniture, it's all, like, flowery fabric on the couches really frou frou and over the top um not great yeah <laughs> so it's just like we see um sort of off and on throughout the movie like angelique and jean jacques sister are sort of like kind of going at it over the decor of her apartment and like that whole what one wants to do and, and just like jean jacques sister being in this position of like kind of having to ingratiate herself because yeah. they bought her this apartment right because like she's gotten divorced or yeah something so it's her and her her kid yeah. that are having to move into this apartment and so like jean jacques is getting her the apartment just to help her out of a tight spot even though they're not yeah. super communicative because he's like really well off i think you can imagine yeah um, being the, the owner of this <clears throat> steel plant yeah and that kind of comes up off and on throughout the movie too yeah um so we, we see that uh, bruno and money are kind of hooking up somewhat regularly and he's kind of feeling bad about it because he still you know wants to be with his fiance but uh, eventually he gets this letter from her and he's talking about it with ron and then he stops kind of abruptly and it's like, oh, well, that's, yeah, you know, whatever. That's that's the letter that she sent me. And then we find out as he's talking to Mani later that actually there's more to the letter and <laughs> it's that his fiance has dumped him. She wants to stay in America after her internship is over. 
And it's just kind of out of sorts because of this. And money is dealing drugs on the side to supplement yeah. her income. It's like marijuana. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of put off by the fact that there's these people that are dropping in at all. That's more the other guy, Frank. Well, he's upset by it too because like she's getting all these phone calls and stuff oh. and people are stopping by. So they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. both kind they're of... Both, yeah. So he's kind of put off by her dealing drugs uh, and just that combined with finding out that his fiance has left him. He kind of decides that he's going to cut it off with money. And, and Frank, it seemed like there was something kind of starting to develop between him and money anyhow but like once uh, bruno is out of the picture they start hooking up regularly as well so um as this is happening we see that jean jacques is becoming more and more infatuated with clara and he decides that he does want to do the lessons with her after he sees her in this play he wants to get closer to her and so they're doing the lessons and um he's doing all right with the learning the english and yeah his uh feelings are developing more and more and he's kind of growing more and more distant from angelique as well so as he's been trying to ingratiate himself with this the theater crowd he goes out for drinks with them and they're constantly taking the piss out of him just like making references to playwrights like ibsen yeah because he's like hey clara you should really think about doing a comedy like i think you'd be great and i love humor everybody loves humor yeah and so they're like oh ibsen is a really funny playwright yeah oh yeah tennessee williams yeah they're both hilarious you should check them out um and they're not comedic playwrights if you don't know that already uh but he's just like it just goes over his head because he's so yeah so not uh familiar yeah with, with playwrights so despite them kind of making fun of him, he's like still being a good guy. Like he he picks up the bar tab for all of them. And I think that's kind of what tips the group off to the fact that like, oh, he's well somebody, off. yeah, well off. And he's trying to be our friends and we can use that to our advantage. Finally, there's this kind of super awkward scene where he meets Clara at a tea house He's like, okay, uh, my, for my assignment, I wrote this poem, and it's this poem about her, how he's, like, developing these feelings for her, and without, like, out and out saying her, it's her, but, like, mentioning the fact that it's... An English re- teacher? An English teacher, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's kind of like, huh? Uh, and she's like, um, so should we correct the grammar or just move on to the next lesson? And he's like, but did you understand <laughs> And it? she's like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it's message received. And not reciprocated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he's pretty dejected, but he is still kind of trying to ingratiate himself with her and with her group of theater friends. And this leads to him going to the gallery like that one of her friends is doing a showing of his paintings at and this friend is gay and jean-jacques like fucking blows it he goes in there (laughs) drops a gay slur you can imagine which one the the big one yeah and it's like decidedly awkward because they're like oh you mean like me and my friends like me and my friends and he's like that's and he's like very uncomfortable made very uncomfortable by this he feels bad he's like trying to explain it away as again being a figure of speech and he's like looking at the paintings but he's not like appreciating them he's just kind of glancing at them as he walks through the gallery so he ends up buying one of the paintings and it seems like it's kind of an act of contrition more than it is out of his 
appreciation for the art. Right. And they can't, they call him out on it. He's like, I bought this painting because I liked it. That's, that's all there is to it. And so the painter is commissioned by, by Jean-Jacques company to do this, I guess like a mural or something on mm-hmm. one of their buildings. A fresco. A fresco, yes. Uh, for an erotic fresco, just like by uh, <laughs> 20th century. Nope. No, it's not. Uh, it's very, very abstract. And that's kind of one of the things that's funny um, that happens uh, with, with the painting that he buys from the, the art show. He hangs it up in their house, and it's just, like, totally out of place because it's this abstract painting. Dark kind of, colors. Yeah, like dark blue and, and gray in contrast against all of this pastel, flowery print stuff. And, and Angelique is just like, what is this? Like, She's like, this is so hideous. Why would you put this here? Yeah. He's like, I like it. Um, <laughs> it's like, I don't understand why you would like this. Yeah. There's nothing to like about this. This is bad taste. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of it's another kind of point of contention in their, their relationship. The fact that he's trying to get into this this more abstract art and she's not having any of it but yeah she like takes down his painting yeah this is kind of like the final straw for him like all throughout the movie there's this joke about her her little dog um and she seems to have more affection for her dog and for animals than she does for people including her husband and so anyway just like that and like her unwillingness to um accept his recent artistic inclinations and and interests He's just like, you know what? I can't. And on top of it, of course, like his growing feelings for Clara. So they end up breaking up. And <laughs> what's funny is Angelique, it kind of like really shows how she doesn't really have human connections because the person she goes to for solace is Jean-Jacques' sister. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I already know. He told me. Yeah. And he, he broke up and she's like, oh, okay. And sort of like that's it. Um. So Jean-Jacques is still hanging out with the theater group. But Clara is chiding them when Jean-Jacques not around because she's concerned that they're taking advantage of him and she's really not comfortable with it. Even though she isn't romantically interested in him and she doesn't really enjoy spending time with him, it seems she doesn't want him taken advantage of. And so they like set it straight like, no, actually we're not taking advantage of him. He genuinely appreciates the art and he's like, he actually commissioned this and you know, don't worry, we're not, we're not fucking around, basically. They say that, but they, they still kind of are. It feels they still like. kind of are. But in any case, it is true that Jean-Jacques is genuinely now taken with this new found artistic appreciation. And, yeah. And um, it's, it's not like, he's not, at, at first it seems like he's just trying to buy affection or buy his way into the group and into Clara's life. And it's, I think really apparent by this point in the movie that it that's not the case. Like he he is actually interested, but she doesn't really know that, and so she goes right. to kind of try to talk to him about it. And it also kind of shows like how her biases, mm-hmm. where she's like, "Oh, he couldn't possibly have expanded his taste and in, into this realm and whatever," and um, and so she starts, I think, kind of feeling a little bad about that. Yeah, and I think it starts to kind of open the door for Jean-Jacques a little bit, too. Right. Um, So, like, she goes to talk to him about this, like, her concerns that he's being taken advantage of. And he's like, is it, like, impossible that I really actually do like this art? Like, I, you know, I'm not doing this out of any, you know, ulterior motive. He's like, I I understand that you're not interested in me. Yeah, I just 
you know, I'm doing this because I like the art. That's all there is to it. And so that kind of starts to soften her feelings towards him. She starts to see him in a new light, I think, in part because of that. Um, Clara gets offered a part in play, which is also like sort of something she's always concerned about because she's 40 years old. And she's like, at any point, any part I have um, could be my last one. And so that's always a concern of hers. So um, she gets offered this part in a, a new play. And Clara then invites Jean-Jacques to it. Um, so, uh, you know, another sign that her feelings toward him are starting to change somewhat. So it's opening night and she doesn't see him. And uh, it gets to the end and, and the cast is doing their sort of like bowing. And then she realizes afterwards that he was there. Yeah, she'd been kind of scanning the audience <clears throat> trying to see if he was there and not seeing him at first. She was right. getting bummed out. Yeah, and so she sees him, and it's obviously like, uh, you know, she's happy to see him there. And yeah. so there's kind of like this opening, and you can see like, okay, maybe something develops there. Yeah. But everybody else kind of like parts ways. So Money and Frank, have we talked much about their relationship? No, throughout? there's really not a lot Going to on. talk about. I mean... Yeah, so Money, uh, the uh, the waitress and uh, part-time do- drug dealer, and Frank had this sort of like ongoing relationship and he continues to be really upset by her um, pot dealing. And so they <coughs> end up coming to odds and breaking up. Later, Frank kind of seems to have a change of heart. And he try- he goes to her place like he's going to try and reconcile. He gets outside and he's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. And just kind of like drives off. And so that's kind of like the end of that. Yeah. And we see Bruno, you know, he's been broken up with, but he's like taken up the flute and He's playing with this this band now, mostly like a lot of kids and whatever, but he's got this other interest that he's exploring. And... Yeah, so we kind of skipped so, over a lot of their plot points, but yeah. it's like they're... It's, they're, they're kind of more minor stories. Yeah, it's like, it, it's fine. I think the only other thing with uh, money is that there's the, the scene where um, where Jean-Jacques gets beaten up while... Oh, yeah. Uh, while Franck and Bruno are over at money's place and they go outside and... Like, oh shit, somebody tried to mug him, and they, they take him into her apartment, and she's tending to his wounds and stuff. And I think that kind of also helps him with Clara, Clara because, like, Money is talking to her later about this, and she's like, he's he's an alright guy. Like, like he's, of... he's like a sincerely nice guy. Yeah, but that's pretty much all you need to know about their yeah. plot points. There's, it's, yeah, pretty it's, much. It's kind of supplementary to the, the main For sure. story, it seems like. So, there you go. That's <laughs> that's basically it. that's basically the movie. Roll credits. Roll credits. So yeah, it, as we said, you know, we both enjoyed it. It it had um it wasn't really a comedy, but it definitely had some humor, and it was pretty witty. Yeah, um, it's not like a laugh ride, but you're like, eh, that's funny. Yeah, like chuckling, a, a chuckler. You'll you a, could say a chuckler. Yeah, yeah. chuckle up, <laughs> chuckle up, chuckleheads. But it was just like a you know a really nice. Movie. A nice movie, and just like a... <laughs> I don't mean that to sound really trite. It's very... Yeah, I mean, it's really reductive to say it like that, but I mean, it is. It's a nice... Like, it, yeah, it's, it's just like it's a nice lights. explanation of how people's tastes can change, or like how you can expand other people's tastes, or... Kind of a look at biases that people hold, yeah. and things like that. So yeah, I mean, there, there's some messages there, but they don't beat you over the head with any of it. Yeah, I like the extract you you pulled from Roger Ebert's yeah, review. If you yeah. want to 
So uh, Roger Ebert, uh, in this review for the movie, he liked the movie, but he's kind of spitting fire uh, at a couple of points. In the, the very opening paragraph, he says, Finding out somebody has bad taste is like discovering they need dental work. Things were fine until they opened their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> of course, your good taste might be my bad taste and vice versa. For example, I know there are people who don't go to foreign films, and I'm patient with them, as I would be with a child. With luck, they may evolve into more interesting beings. Like, oh, <laughs> shit! I don't disagree with any of that. Something I've never understood, like, you know, yeah, you have to read. Yeah. But it's like... That's enough for people, let me tell you. <laughs> I know, it's always been so surprising to me. But I've grown up with foreign films, and so for me, it's just always been like, why do people have such a bias against watching foreign films? Like, it really isn't a lot of work, and it's like, you miss out on so much great film. Yeah, I think it's just, that's just naturally off-putting to some people, um, so... What are you going to do? Right, right. So tying it into that side of things, so towards the end of Ebert's review, he talks about how the movie is about taste and how films about taste are not often made by Hollywood, in his words, perhaps because it would so severely limit the box office to require the audience to have any. It's like, oh, Woo! shit! He's just, uh, I don't know if it was like a bad week for him or something. Or he like, was just like, what the fuck, America? <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, pretty, pretty... Uh, hot take filled review for oh yeah for, for ebert but uh no he's he's pretty great like i, I like Roger oh, yeah. a lot um i think at some point it'd be interesting to go through the book of his really harsh reviews oh yeah uh, and, and watch the, the some of those movies it's, and see how we how our we, ratings would be yeah like either in sync or not yeah but we'd be watching a lot of a lot of bad movies a lot if of we were to do that. yeah i mean to kind of go back to what you were saying about people having problems reading like uh this movie was nominated for an oscar for the best foreign language film for 2000 and it was beaten out by crouching tiger hidden dragon which is totally fair because that's a very good movie and and this is you know comparatively pretty light um right and like i saw crouching tiger hidden dragon at the time yeah and i i don't think i was really this movie hadn't really registered on my radar no there i never heard of this movie until until now yeah. but um i was working at the movie theater when crouching tiger hidden dragon came out and let me tell you people were upset that it was subtitled like i was <laughs> like the theater that i worked at was in a, a naval town and so they were maybe not to disparage all military people but not a lot of readers necessarily not as many readers in in that crowd um, and I had to give several refunds because the movie was subtitled and people were just like, reading! I just wanted to see people beat up other people. It's like, you can still do that. Right. You might not understand, <laughs> the, like, the, the... The context. The plot, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so... So this movie, um, was written by Agnes Jaoui and, uh, Jean-Pierre Bacri. And Jaoui directed the film and she played money jean-pierre played jean-jacques castella so like talk about a lot of fucking work yeah on top of it um joey and bakri were uh romantic partners for a long time including when they made this film yeah they're not anymore like i think they broke up around 2012 is what i saw but they're still collaborating and so the, I guess the origins of the movie are kind of interesting because she originally, like, she and uh, Jean-Pierre were 
started started off the movie like thinking that it was going to be um like a movie based on detective work or something and pretty quickly she abandoned that idea because she felt like she was kind of drawing too much from american movies that were similarly themed and so she and jean-pierre started to rework it into what it eventually came to be but um it's interesting because they they kept a lot of the characters from that original more crime police work focused uh concept for the movie which i'd be interested to see like what that was like yeah like how do you go from that to this like it's pretty weird transition and she kind of said as much in the interview that i read but yeah uh jean jacques was in the, the original version bruno franck and money were all characters that were in that original version so yeah i thought that was interesting it's also interesting that she kind of immersed herself in woody allen movies before she started making this like yeah i saw someone said that it's pretty similar to hannah and her sisters which i haven't seen yeah i'm not big on woody allen yeah and many senses of the phrase yeah um (laughs) take Uh, from that what you will yeah (laughs) uh like julie klausner in difficult people oh yes the scene where she's auditioning for one of his movies and it's just like her having to be a cigarette girl and it's like that's not a thing anymore like he's just so stuck in the past with this weird yeah like uh, fuck woody allen not not literally. literally figuratively but uh he was an inspiration for this movie, so that, you know. There's that, I there's, guess, there's... in his favor. Tangentially, one nice thing we will say about him. And it that's will it. will end there. Yep. So, He's a creep. Yep. And uh, this was our last podcast, you <laughs> know, Woody Allen. Uh, <laughs> we'll be putting an end to this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we're, he can't this is stop definitely... us. We'll go on the Underground Podcast Network. <laughs> dark Web. Look at us on the Dark Web. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, um, Chase of Others. Uh, we, we thought it was good. Yeah, good film. Yeah. Um, and on an entirely different uh, subject matter, we, uh, we will... Have a... Seamless transition. Into talking about InfoChannel, which is this YouTube channel, and it is so fucking weird and fascinating and funny and unsettling at the same time um it's this collection of short things uh, like short videos some of them are short some of them are like two hours long like the one that they just put out but um it's made by these two guys who used to work on uh tim and eric awesome show a great job i think they were like on the first couple of seasons doing some of the animations and stuff for that and so info channel is this series of videos that is like a tv station that's founded by this guy fred ferner who has developed this weird uh new broadcasting system so anybody who's familiar at all with bbc cfax you get some of the um aesthetics like yeah. you understand some of the aesthetics it's, and it's almost and, like uh, old, old bulletin board graphics like the ANSI graphics from yeah it's totally it's totally like cfax i don't know if you're yeah. familiar 
they do all sorts of weird stuff like there's videos for new names that you might want to choose for yourself and it's just this yeah five minute long video of these super ridiculous names scrolling up on the screen and occasionally it'll pause and be like this is a recommended name for you specifically and they're all terrible or there's like a video that they made that is just for for cats um <laughs> yeah there's uh the the video that is like space travel information like for people from far in the future just this really well thought out uh series of what travel information would look like for space travelers from the future just like really weird off-putting stuff and it's hard to describe why it appeals to me because it, it's it's just very weird and it's also the, the notice that the info channel network is using this proprietary subliminal message broadcasting uh, as part of its programming and it's just like oh yeah like it calls itself the number one anti-tainment and posi hypno programming television network yeah and so <laughs> there's there's this kind of dark undercurrent running through all of their videos but it's also like weirdly positive inspirational in a sense but it's like, the, the video that they just released is two hours and 15 minutes long, and it's just these ridiculous, it seems like randomly generated phrases that are supposed to be positive affirmations and, and stuff. So, weird as hell, but I, I really like it. We'll link to some of the videos, as we, we always do. Yeah, and for the record, we didn't watch all two hours and 15 no. minutes. We we watched the first, like, five minutes, and then we kind of scanned. It's like, oh, okay. And we're like, oh, shit, this is how two, long? Two hours of this. <laughs> Uh, and we, I know we missed some gems in there, but you know, just like we don't, we don't have that kind of time. Yeah, um, but it's it's the kind of thing that you can like if you're having a party, you could put on the TV and just in the not, background not for sure draw anybody's attention to it, but just put it on and then see people <laughs> like progressively get more and more weirded out by it. Uh, it's it's not super well known, and so I think right. it really deserves more exposure than it has. Uh, so check it out. I would like to. First off, encourage everybody to patronize their local independent video stores. Uh, I just found out over the weekend that out of the three we had in Seattle, we've just lost once. So, you know, they really are a dying breed and are sort of like the last bastions for so much media or films or movies or whatever that you're not going to find elsewhere. And, you know, if that's something that matters to you, please, please, please consider how you could support that kind of thing. I would also like to say thank you to the fantastic Seattle band Boat for allowing us to use their song lately off the album Setting the Paces. Uh, I just saw that um, Unlikely Friends, which is uh, another project that some of the Boat members are in currently, have just finished recording an album of covers that sounds really fun. I think it's, like, covers of, uh, like, Northwest bands. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Check out on Likely Friends. Yeah, and thank you, Boat. Thank you, Boat. If you were wanting to engage in our online presence, we have <laughs> accounts. <laughs> that sounds weird, but uh, it's, it's staying in the podcast, so. Yep. Fuck uh, it. Yeah, deal with it. Um, we were uh, on the internet at terranandrewverses.com. You can find our similarly named Facebook group if you want to join that and get notices when we post new episodes and the intermittent uh, episodes of our video game streaming of the council, which is intermittent because the last episode that we did Ooh. was very discouraging, like demotivating, but we're, we're going to keep gonna trying to do it. We're going to try again. Yeah. It's 
yeah, it's a bad game in a lot of ways, but hopefully we can make our playing of it entertaining. Uh, your, your mileage may vary. That's not an overstatement. Yeah, and, and we're on Instagram, and um, if you have any comments, you can you can always send us an email at terraandandrewverses at gmail.com. For any movie suggestions, etc. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you like what you're hearing, please, uh, you know, consider sending us an email or leaving a review on iTunes or, or anything, you know, that helps get the word out. Tell, if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. If you don't like it, again. Keep it to yourself. It doesn't translate well to the audio medium, but I'm, <laughs> I'm making the throat slitty gesture across uh, with my finger. And I just want to, like, also say, like, it is actually really, it makes us feel good when we hear from people who listen. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, it, it's, it is nice to, to hear from people that are listening. So if you feel like it, uh, please consider dropping us uh, a line. Yeah. And with uh, that plaintive cry for validation out of the way, <laughs> uh, until next time, catch, catch you, you later, later potato, potato hags. hags.